So when it comes to property investing, what I want to talk about is why do we buy what we're buying and how do we compare different types of properties? And this is pretty important to know. So you've got a unit and then you've got townhouse. Then what you've got is a house and land. Then we've got dual income. Then we've got duplex. And on this side, one other thing you've got is just land, full stop. It's a block, a big block. Okay, so these are the different sort of, and this is in general, what we can invest in, all right? And what I wanna do is just talk to you about how I decided to invest in what I invest and how do you compare the, how do you compare them all? Let me just fix my handwriting up a little bit. How do you compare them all and how do you choose what to invest in? You know, so let's talk about, let's start with units, for example. So what happens is as you go down this line, see, you've got house and land here and you've got townhomes and unit. So you've got more land here, less land and tiny bit of land. And what happens is as you go this way, you're getting a bigger return because you've got less land and more property. So you get more bang for your buck. So the funny thing is, the less you spend on the land, the more money you get in rental return. So that's one thing because you're getting rent for the improvement on the property, not necessarily for the land. Now, the thing about units is with a unit, because we talk about the most important thing is supply and demand. And really at the end of the day, we want less supply, more demand. And at the moment, there's a lot of demand. Um, we're finding it very difficult to find properties because we're getting uh, two or three new members join every week in our program. And we've got a lineup of people waiting for property. And now I'll ring up the developer. Half an hour later, the property's gone. They're going very, very quick because people are just going a little bit crazy. I'm hoping it's going to ease off a little bit. And normally this time of year, that's just the way it is. That's normal. That, that was the same as last year without COVID. Yeah, and I'm hoping um, January it slows down a bit and we've got a bit of room to breathe and find more properties. Um, but units, the reason we don't like units is because of the supply and demand ratio. Because what happens is if you buy a unit in CBD, and then has everyone got a copy of my no-go zones, by the way? Just for your reference. If, if, you you haven't, haven't, if you haven't got it, just put it in the chat thing and uh, chat zone and we'll, uh, we'll organise it for you. Yeah, but if you look at my no-go zones, I've put in no-go zones, Adelaide CBD, Melbourne CBD, Docklands, Perth CBD. Most of the CBDs are on there because of the units. Because what happens is there's not a lot of supply and demand in the city because with units, they um, you can just build another block next to them. Also, what happens is if you've got a block of units, and they all, all these units here, they sell for $300,000 each. And then normally it takes two years to build. Then two years later, this person here, this person here can't get it on finance. And they're like, oh, well, let's get rid of this. And they sell it less than 300,000. Then that becomes a new price for all the other units. But when it's townhouses and houses, because they're slightly different, it doesn't affect the price as much. Okay, so that's a unit. Townhouse. 
What's good about a townhouse? Well, the good about, thing about a townhouse is you've got land portion, land proportion on it. So it's like a house. So the value of a townhouse is better than a unit and actually the same as a house. So when you look, when you compare townhouses and houses, the way they go up is identical. And actually they categorize townhomes as houses. And that's becoming more popular anyway. So townhomes are great because you're getting more bang for your buck. So if I was to buy in an area between a townhouse and a house, a house is usually $100,000 more than a townhouse. So I'm saving 100 grand by buying a townhouse, which is great because then I've got more equity to buy other stuff. Now, the downside of a townhouse is the fees that you pay for the body corp. And that's the downside. And normally you're looking at $40. So what happens is if I get my calculator out, if it's 40 bucks a week times 52, that's $2,000 a year, right? Which is okay when you start out. But as the property gets older, that goes up. So that's why buying a secondhand townhouse is not as good because you've got to be careful because you might end up with a lot of corporate fees. But when you buy them brand new, the first 10 years, you're laughing. That's where we're looking for our doubling and our growth. But also, if you calculate this 2,000 per year and then over, over 10 years, that's 20,000. You're still $80,000 ahead. Um, let's say you spend another 10,000 on top, you're still 70,000 ahead before you bought, because you didn't buy the house. So townhouse, as far as I'm concerned, is a really good balance between those. Then you've got a house and land. And a house and land is pretty good too because one, what I like about a house and land is you own the whole thing, you don't pay any strata fees, and it's yours. Now, because you don't pay strata fees, because in the strata fees, that's, that includes the insurance for the building. So actually insurance goes up anyway. So if you buy a townhouse, you're paying $350 a week insurance. I mean, a 350 a year insurance. But with a house, you're paying $1,000 insurance. So that sort of eats in as well. That's the difference. And I don't know why my money keeps disappearing. Yeah, you suppose you just got to weigh it both up and, and see how it goes. Look, I think they're both good. I like... I've got, I've got both. You know that. I've got both too. I've got house and land as well. That's, they're really good. Now, dual income. Who's heard of dual income? Please type in the chat. Who's heard of dual income? Who's heard about it? Um, I'll also, what I'm going to do is tell you about SDA homes. Anyone heard of SDA homes? I'll draw a little wheelchair here so you know what it is. So dual income. I'll tell you what dual income is. Dual income is having two dwellings under one roof, right? And they were very trendy for a while and they're still very popular. A lot of people um, are promoting dual income. And the reason people like dual income is because you get more rent for a dual income because you're building under one house. But the problem is, the challenge is with dual income is they're great as an investor because you're getting a good return. But the problem is once it's not brand new anymore, investors don't want to buy it. So who do you sell it to? Because how many people want to have two families living on one, one, under one roof? And that's the bad part. So because of that, so I'm going to, the unit a little red. I'm not going to put a red there. I'm going to put an orange because, you know, even though normally I don't buy units every now and again, I haven't bought one yet, but I'm open-minded to buying a unit if it was in the right area, in the right unit, if it was very petite. But dual income, I'm definitely going to put a red around it because it's just not going to work because I won't be able to sell it for the money I want. Now, duplex. 
What's a duplex? A duplex is two townhouses stuck together. So what's the benefit of duplex? Well, I don't think there is any benefit because they cost twice as much and you get twice the rent. So a lot of people like duplexes. I, what I like to do if I can is I like to buy half a duplex. And this, when you can do that, is excellent. Because half a duplex is much better than one duplex. If you buy half a duplex, good part about it is it's cheaper than buying a house and land because you've got less land. It's similar price to a townhouse, but you don't have to pay strata fees. The challenging part is it's very, very hard to find half a duplex. I did buy one last year in Queensland, actually, half a duplex. But buying the whole lot, I would give that an orange. And the reason being is I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I'd like to share my eggs around. And I think having them all in one basket is risky. So having them all in one basket is risky. So I don't want to do that. Okay, why do you pay strata on a duplex? Don't they share a wall? Yes, they share a wall. Um, they share a wall, but um, because it's only two properties, what happens is you, it's, it's strata, but um, what happens is you pay $2 a year and it's just a joint strata instead of... So like, for example, if I buy a townhouse in a complex, I'm going to buy a townhouse where there's a pool, there's maybe a gym and a few outdoor areas. So you've got someone living on the ground, looking after the place, looking after it. And so it's great for renters. It's awesome. But obviously you have to pay the strata, which sucks. But with a duplex, you don't have to pay the strata. There's no strata at all, which is great. Um, what's the difference between a unit and a townhouse? They look similar. Yes, and that's what I was explaining. A townhouse has just got land. Unit has not land. So townhouse is better. Also, with townhouses, they're not built on top of each other. And because of that, there's a bigger land component and therefore it's harder to um, oversupply the area. Where with units, oversupply is always a problem. And at the moment in Brisbane, the areas that are no-go zone in Brisbane, because most of Brisbane is awesome, but there's a few suburbs, especially the inner suburbs where there's lots of units, I just wouldn't touch those places because the units, they destroyed the rest of the properties as well in that area because it's oversupply. Land, so that's a duplex. So I wouldn't buy two, I wouldn't buy a duplex, but I would buy half a duplex, which is better. Or you can build a duplex, keep one, sell one. That's another option. And look, with our strategy, with, with our strategy, the deal is what we want to do is step number one is tap out the tax. And then once you tap out your tax, then the strategy changes because then we've got to look at more different ways of doing things and that's when we get into developments and you know buying buying bigger properties and dividing them and things like that but until you tap out your taxes no point in doing that you do the easy stuff first and once you do the easy stuff and then you can do the hard stuff later land well land goes up in value which is great the problem with land is you don't get any rent on it and because you don't get any rent it's not positive it's negative so Unless you've got lots of money, land is no good. So I'll put a red square around it. Okay. SDA. Now, who's heard of SDA? And um, 
what I'm doing, um, a good friend of mine actually specializes in NDA, SDA properties all around Australia. And um, these, um, let me make sure I've got the right name. Because if I've got the wrong name, they'll be embarrassing. Just type this in. Yep, so it's called Specialist Disability Accommodation on the NDIS. And what the government wants to do is the government wants to help people that are on disability to find a place to live. Rosalind Russell, if there are a lot of units in an area, but you managed to buy a townhouse or a house, do you not then have a niche in that market? Good question. Um, look, it depends on the spawn. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Depends on the supply and demand of the property of the of that market. So if there's more supply and demand, what happens is there's too much units, the supply is going to be too high and it's going to wreck um, prices for everything. Right. But if there's not a lot of supply, then it's going to be fine. So what I'm looking at, when we look at the top 100 suburbs, we're looking at the one thing only, the most important thing out of all the property I can talk about. Anything I can talk about is really buying a property in the top 100. Because if it's in the top 100, you've got a slightly better chance of it going up. You've got less chance of it going down. You've got less chance of uh, not getting rent. It's just everything stacked in your favor. And whatever the market does, I'll draw it here. So there's 16,000 suburbs from one, two, three, all the way down to 16,000. Now, what happens is the ones, the properties up here are going up, then these are doing nothing. And then these are going down. That's in bad times. In good times, all these properties are going up and then these are doing nothing. And these are going down. And that that changes. But what we do is we don't care. So this is you know, this is um you know during a boom. This is a bust. But see, if you look up here, the top two hundred, whether there's a boom or bust, that's all green. Because what happens is each year this proportion changes slightly. And we want to just stay right here because these are the properties. They're going to continually outperform everything else by 15, 20%. And that's the number one key because the key is being able to hold these properties for seven to 10 to 12 years where they double. And that's where we make our money through properties doubling in equity. And, you know, the money you make out of equity, you just can't make that any other way. You know, you could earn no matter how much money you earn, you just, you can't save $500,000 in 10 years. And look, I've had people make $5 million in equity in 10 years. How could you save 5 million? But there you go. One of our members actually recently, Christina's auntie joined our program three and a half years ago. And she works, I think at Modbury Hospital, some hospital up north, and she's a receptionist. And what happened was when she met me, because I met her at a family function with Christina and it was Christina's auntie and she was um, 
a little bit distraught because what happened was she wasn't sure if she could actually maintain her payments for her house and she wanted to get, she needed to sell her house. That's what she thought. And I said, look, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a hand and told her a bit of our program. And um, being my auntie, I wanted to give her a special deal and get her, get in the good books with Christina's family. Anyway, so she joined the program and now she's got a property that's gone up $80,000 in Queensland. She's making $130 positive and she's paid off her house completely in three years from not even knowing that she could afford her payments. And it's a single mother or two. So it's amazing what can happen by following the system. And that's just after three years. And three years is you know, quite extraordinary that it happened that quick. And she rang me a couple of weeks ago and said, George, this is what's happening. And I said, well, I need to bring in for an interview. It's amazing. So I'm pretty happy what happened. But basically, the number one thing we're doing is buying properties in the top 100 here or top 200. You know, I want to try to stay in the top 100. And sometimes when there's a boom, you might have to go down to the top, top 200 because there's less, prop, um, less properties to be able to find. So let's go back here. Special disability accommodation. Okay, so special disability accommodation. What this is, is you build these houses that are wheelchair friendly and disability friendly. And because of that, the government subsidizes the rent and you get more rent, right? And who doesn't want more rent, right? Now, on, on the surface, it sounds like a good thing. And a lot of people have been asking about this. And I want to just talk to you about how it works. Now, these are the challenges that are a problem. And I spoke to an expert. I'm going to interview him next week on our podcast, uh, Goro from uh, Melbourne. He's an expert. He's, one, he's the expert around Australia for SDIA, and he helps people around Australia buy them. And basically, people buy these for cash flow. The thing is, as you know, I'm not a big fan of cash flow because I really believe you make your cash flow out of the equity. And I'm a big fan of equity because that's the long-term growth. So what are the problems with SDA? Well, what are the good parts? Good cash flow, tick. Bad parts is one. If you build an SDA home and you don't have a tenant, good luck finding one that wants to live in that area and that certain thing. Almost impossible to get a tenant. So you need to get a tenant first. Two, what do you do if you lose that tenant? Three, people that manage these sort of tenancies, they charge a lot more than normal real estate agencies. Three, how are you going to sell it? Who's going to buy it? Because who wants the SDA home? So really, too many things that are red. Can I just you know, interrupt there, George, as yep. well? Um, what about the area? You're not going to be getting in top 100. No, you've got to buy... Out of the... Yeah. And, and, and this is the deal. I was talking to Goro and because one of our members wanted to buy an SDA and I said, don't buy one, but if you want one, we'll get one for you. And Goro goes, look, he's got to be prepared to pay an extra $100,000 because the valuation will come in $100,000 short at minimum. He said, he needs, you need an extra $150,000 in equity to get an SDA home, which is another two houses. So really, SDA home, red square around that as well. So there you go. So really at the end of the day, so really at the end of the day, I love using colors. Hope everyone can understand my handwriting. <laughs> but really at the end of the day, we've gone through all the different types of investments that you can do with property. And there's, there's other ones as well, but these are the main ones. And what we've discovered is we've discovered townhouse, house and land, half a duplex is a green and a really good one to invest in. But we've also discovered that 
you know, a unit is orange. It's not that bad. And you can, if you buy a unit that's boutique, um, you can actually do well out of it. We've no discovered that getting a dual occupancy, forget it. And buying a duplex is not as good as buying just a townhouse on its own or a house and land because you're spreading your risk. And SDA homes, definitely no, because it's going to slow down and you're going to make less money. So that's it in a nutshell. And that's why we've honed in on three to four bedroom house, townhouse. So that's basically the I was training. Gonna say, George, that's some, um, apart from obviously your illustrations, um, it is a really great way to describe the different properties. And I really think that maybe we should get this written up as a template. Yes, I might get um, Maggie to, um, if you can send this to Maggie, we'll get her to draw it up nicely and I'll do a proper training on it. I think that would be great. Because look, obviously when members join, you know, they, you know, especially if they've never bought before, they don't understand, you know, units to townhouses to house and land to duplexes. I mean, I get most people going, oh, I want a duplex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And that's oh, I wonder, what about the idea of like, I want to buy a property where I can put a granny flat in the back. I mean, I get that one a lot too. So they feel like they're going to get two rents. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is you do, but we want the capital. So what... When, where, how, right? That's the question we're going to ask. And really, that's, it comes down to, what it comes down to is most people, when they go to what, when, where, how, they use the hope method. Okay, so Charmaine, do you want to come on, um, come on Charmaine? Because what I want to do is answer this question with you. Do you want to just unmute yourself? Yeah, I'm sure. So I guess I, I read somewhere that when you find out the equity on your property, so let's say you have, you know, 100,000 of equity on your property, when you're actually looking at how much equity you can use for your next property, my understanding is that the banks will only lend, uh, use 80% of that equity minus, I think, was it minus... Um, the amount that you still owe on your loan, and that actually gives you what the actual equity amount is. Is that right? Charmaine, great question. And yes, absolutely right. But I'll explain it in a different ways so everyone understands it. So if you've got a house worth 500000 and you owe 300000 that means you've got a potential of 200000 equity. However, the bank don't want to give you all that because they want to keep 20% for themselves. So what happens is they're going to take out minus 20%, which equals 160,000 equity. Is that exactly what you're saying, Charmaine? Yeah, that, I think that's pretty. And isn't it also, they also minus what you still owe on the mortgage? Yes. So 300. So we've got a $500,000 house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Minus yeah. 300, minus 2, minus 20% equals 160. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's how much you can use for equity. And basically, you know, when you're buying, so that's, we're talking about the how. So with the what question, this here, what, what to buy, this is, this, this sort of little training here explains what to buy, right? 
what would a buyer is a three or four bedroom townhouse or house mainly or half a duplex, right? You know, house and land, townhouse, half a duplex. That's what we want to buy. And sometimes, depending on our budget and depending if something something boutique, you can also buy a unit if it's in the right area. Um, the only reason I don't like units is most of them can be oversupplied. But some units can't be oversupplied depending where you're at. Like if you went to a beach and like I wouldn't buy in Glenelg Beach because they're oversupplied, but Henley Beach, you're probably safe. Yep. So then the next question is when? The timing. And the timing's important. That's when we go to our property clock and look at the timing. And really when it comes to timing, the best time to buy a property is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So there's always a market that's seven o'clock and that's where we want to buy. So the timing is seven o'clock. So the timing, when and where, they coincide. It's almost like um, coexistence there because the when and where, you know, where you're going to buy depends on what time you buy on the property clock. So that's sort of um, the same thing. So for example, at the moment, Brisbane is seven o'clock. So the where and when are ticked off. And what we want to do is we want to buy before a cycle goes up. And how, the how is so important because the how is how we get the cash flow. Because if people, people do it the wrong way and don't structure it right, they're going to be negative gearing and lose the money on their property. And by doing it the right way, we're going to have positive gear, hopefully, or slightly negative gear. You know, normally I say, if you can buy a property for less than $50 a week, it's great. These days, it's getting even better. And um, everyone that's settling on the 10th of um, December, you'll see the cash flow calculator is going to be much better when you finish than when it started because of the interest rate. So you're going to be more positive than what you thought you were, which is great. Does that, does that answer that? Yes. Excellent. Great. Perfect. Yeah. So guys, um, We've still got a bit of time. Yeah, let me um, look. I've got a, I've got a couple of questions which probably will resonate through members. So look, let's say for instance you found out that you had six, seven hundred thousand dollars worth of equity. Okay. And it was your first, if your first properties with with six or seven hundred. What would you personally do? What would be your scenario? Okay, so what you're asking is, would you buy one big house or two small ones? Yes, yes it is, Lisa. It's going up the training portal. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, so that's a really good question because that's one of the best questions you can ask. Thank you, Belinda. So yeah, so we've got a choice here. We can buy two properties for 350 because you're saying you've got a borrowing capacity of 700. Yep. Or we can buy one property around 700 or we can buy a property for, you know, 500 even, right? So we've got these options. These two, this one or this one. Okay, so interesting question. Now, I'm not a big fan of putting all my eggs in one basket. So putting this, if I've got a borrowing capacity of 700, I'd rather try to get two properties for 350, maybe one for 350, one for 400 in a year's time. And that way I've got two properties in different areas because properties are a bit like fruit trees, right? So what happens is, what kind of fruit's that? That's a coconut. Oh, okay. Coconut tree, okay. I spoke too soon. Look at that. 
Yep. Oh, my drawing skills are getting better, aren't they? They are, George. You're just... Yeah. So anyway, so properties are like buying it, having a tree, right? And the thing is, I'll give you an example. I actually um, bought an olive tree and a fig tree in my backyard. And so similar to what properties are like. So what happened was the fig tree, straight away after I planted it, had massive figs. And the olive tree sat there doing nothing. And I was like, wow, this fig tree is awesome. Anyway, three years later, the fig tree's got hardly any figs and the olive tree is outgrown triple the size of the fig tree and it's got so many olives, it's crazy. So what's happened now is that's overtaken it. And the moral of the story is, if I put all my eggs in one basket and just bought one fig tree, then you're putting yours in one basket. So I'd much rather spread my risk and buy several properties because the more properties you have, the safer you are. And why is it safe to have more properties? I'll explain. Everyone heard of Venice? Venice? Yep. As in the country? Yeah, Venice is in the city. City of love in yes, Italy. Venice, Venice. The beautiful place. Okay. Beautiful. So with Venice, the Venetian traders were quite powerful and big. And what happened was hundreds and hundreds of years ago, they used to go get a boat, a merchant would build a boat, save all his money, get people to invest, and then they'd take that boat and go to the East Indies. They'd have to go past the Ottomans and the Turks, who were the Turks at the time. And they'd go there to get spices and come back. And if they made it back, they'd make a fortune. But unfortunately, one out of 10 ships would get lost and caught by pirates would be gone, right? So the problem was you had a 10% chance of getting broke or a 90% chance of making lots of money. So what happens is 10 merchants would get together and what they would do is they would, they, this is where they invented insurance. And what would happen is they all stock in each boat. And therefore, if we, they lost one boat, they'd all just lose 10% and still make money and they wouldn't lose their livelihood. And what it did, it made it safer for them. So it's a bit like this, more numbers equals more safety. So if you've got 10 properties, you're a lot safer than if you've got one property. So more properties you have, the safer you are, as long as they're spread out. So the caveat is you never ever buy more than one property in an area, because if you do, then you're putting your eggs in a basket and it's, and it's bad. Even if it's the top 100, buy one suburb, I'm out of that suburb, I'm not going back again. I want to spread it out because I want to, um, you know, just allow for anything that could go wrong to go wrong so I can keep myself safe. And ultimately, you know, once you've um, tapped out in Brisbane and the market, and then we get another seven o'clock market, once you spread you out around Australia, you're even safer. So what I like to do is spread myself around a city, then I want to spread around other cities and spread it all around Australia, but mainly capital cities with large regional centers. And that way I'll keep safe. So this guy here buying a $700,000 property, you're putting eggs in one basket. Also, you know, you, you're not going to get as much rent on a $700,000 property. And um, so the fact of it is, I'd rather buy two at 350 or one at 350, one at 400, so I can spread my risk and make more money. Okay, what is the minimum amount of equity needed to buy another investment property? And when looking at your second property and one partner is working full-time, the other part-time, will it be hard for surfability if only one partner is working part-time because of the current two property loans? That's a very in-depth question and I'm gonna to try to answer it. Um, look, minimum amount of equity, you can get a loan at 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 10%, 5%, 
And it goes on, but this is typical. So typically, this is a sweet spot right there. And that's what we're trying to aim for because at 20%, you've got enough equity to keep you safe. And also you're getting five times return. And if you look at my last week's training, I explained why you're getting five times. I don't want to repeat it this time again. So, so what do you do if you don't have 20%? What do you do if you've only got five, 10 or 15%? Good question. What do you reckon guys? Do we go ahead? Do we don't go ahead? What do we do? Because you know what's going to happen with these loans here? You're going to be paying LMI, lender's mortgage insurance. Do we want to pay lender's mortgage insurance? Could be anywhere between 5K to $20,000 on top of the loan for the property you're buying. So what do you reckon? Would I do that or wouldn't I do it? What situation would I do it in? What situation wouldn't I do it? And I'm going to explain it to you because this is the deal. And what I want to do, guys, is I realized recently that the, mo the reason people find investing difficult is they don't understand the fundamentals, the core principles. And what I want to do is really get you to understand the core principles. Once you've got the core principles, you'll be able to answer all these questions for yourself. And the question is, um, you pay interest on LMI too. Yes, you do. So would I, would I buy a property for LMI? I'll tell you the why I would and why I wouldn't right so this is the important things because lmi or amount of deposit is not actually that important on my list because you've got to choose what's important to you so number one on my list in a property is top 100 that's the most important thing i need the property to be in the top 100 it's not in the top 100 i don't care if it's five percent ten percent twenty twenty fifteen percent i'm not going to touch it Number two, cash flow calculator. Can I afford the repayments? So this is the two questions I ask. And that's the only questions I need to answer. Everything else is a yes. So if I find a property in the top 100 and it costs me less than $50 a week, whether I'm paying mortgage insurance or 5% or 10% or 15 or 20 or 30 or 40, doesn't matter. Oh, if I can do the deal, somehow I'm going to do the deal because that property is going to double in the next seven or 10 to 12 years. And I'm going to make my money out of that. But you might be saying, George, but what if you're paying an extra $20,000 for this property? Let me go through this. Let's say we've got this house and it's worth 400,000, right? Now, I buy the house, but I'm paying an extra 20,000 LMI, which is just throwing money in the, in the bin, really. So I'm actually paying 420,000 for this property. So I'm paying 20,000 too much. Would everyone agree? Yes. Would I still go ahead? Yes, I would. Let me explain why. Because I've got to think about the big picture because in 10 years time, I expect this house to be worth 800,000, right? Now, if I paid 400, I would have made 400,000 profit equity. Who'd love to get 400,000? But I'm not going to get 400 because I paid 20 grand too much. But let's say I paid 20,000 LMI and 
I paid 10,000 more than what the prop, I could have got the property if I had a bargain or really shopped around and stuffed around. So $30,000, I paid extra 30K. Now, so if I paid an extra 30,000, that means I only made $370,000. Now, if I said, I'm really sorry, in 10 years time, you've only made 370,000, you didn't make 400. How would you feel? Would you be happy with that? Exactly. So the deal, deal is, what a lot of people don't get is they get caught up in the interest rate, LMI, valuation, things like that, which don't matter. What matters is one, isn't it top 100? Is it here? Two, can I afford it? Because if it's not in the top 100, I don't care if there's no LMI, I don't care what extras it's got, I don't want it. If I can't afford it, if the cash flow calculator tells me it's gonna cost me $100 a week and $100 is stretching it, and then you know, what if I don't get rent one day and I'm gonna pay extra? If I can't afford it, then I'd be stupid to buy it. If you can't afford it, don't buy it. So these two things are a must. You must make sure these two things are there. Everything else, is negotiable and optional, it doesn't matter. I don't care about the interest rate. I don't care about the LMI. I don't care about any of that. I don't care if I'm paying 10 grand more than what the property may or may not be worth. It's not that important. What's important is I've got a high quality property in the top 100 for a fair market value that I'm comfortable with and the cash flow calculator works because I know if I can maintain that property for 10 years, I'm gonna be ahead anyway. So that's how we make a choice about LMI and about the percentages. And I've gone all the way to 5% when I have to. Now I've got too much equity, which is a problem as well. And I'm actually trying to get rid of some equity. Um, so I'm, I'm in the middle of buying a few properties at the moment, trying to get rid of some equity and get more leverage. Because the problem is if you own more than 20% of your house, of your properties, which I do, you reduce your um, growth. So at the moment, I own 60% of my houses. So that's massive. So let's say if it was 10 million, for an example, that means I've got 6 million in equity. Why is that bad? It's bad because when my properties grow, I'm not getting a massive return. I'm only getting a normal return. And I'm getting, because um, it's um, I owe 60% of it. So for example, if um, you own 60%, Let's say um, if you've got a five hundred thousand dollar property, and I put in a hundred thousand equity, which is twenty percent, and that goes up thirty five thousand dollars. Well, I've made thirty five percent, but if I've got forty percent, then I've made half that. So, what's thirty five divided by half? I've made 17%. And if I've got 60%, I've made a third of that. So 35 divided by three, I've only made 11%. Now 11% still good, don't get me wrong, but I'd rather get 35. So therefore I need to get more property so I can get back to the 35% returns that I'm used to instead of getting 11% returns. But 11% still good. That's, that's the whole point. So really, um, owning 20% of the property is the best method. So you can 
get a 35, 50% return. So guys, that about wraps it up. I've got one last question to answer and we've got one minute before the end of our session. So I'm happy to squeeze one in if anyone's got any questions at all. I'm just curious, what did you find most useful of tonight's training? Just want to get a bit of feedback. So what do you want more of? What do you want less of? The more feedback you get, the better. It'd be good to get more of our members on board. We're getting two or three new members every week and trying to get them to our SHERP session. When will Adelaide be at 7 p.m.? Look, good question. I'm keeping my eyes on Adelaide. And... Um, not sure, but I reckon Adelaide's next in line after Brisbane. So, you know, I'm investing in Brisbane at the moment. After that, I'll be inv invest investing in Adelaide. You know, because Perth's really crap at the moment. So Adelaide's really my second favourite city in Australia. It helps you live there. Oh, yeah. And the problem is I can't buy any properties in Adelaide because I own too many. Yeah. So I, I, I'm stuck because the problem with... um. The problem with Adelaide is the land tax and the Adelaide government, the state government just destroyed everything. If I do anything, I'll probably sell a few Adelaide properties. Thanks, George. It's just I've got a couple of sons that, you know, are desperate to get in the market, but of course they want to get something in Adelaide to start off with because yep, yep. it's their hometown. So I'm just saying, just wait, just wait. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, um, what you should do is I'll book in a call with me. I'll have a chat to you. Okay. Talked about Adelaide. There are some select suburbs in Adelaide that are pretty good, actually. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, is there any, does Adelaide have any suburbs in the top 100? Yes, it does. Okay. Adelaide's got some suburbs in the top 100. I, I think that Brisbane as a region is going to be a lot more powerful than Adelaide because of the population, because people from Victoria and New South Wales are moving to Brisbane, right? Um, but I think Adelaide is a really good place to invest as well. And that's my second best place that I'd invest in. Yeah, and I guess if you're thinking about, um, you know, someone first entering the market, like, you know, they're only in their early 20s and they're thinking, oh, I might live in it, then they, you know, they hope that they'll get capital growth as well. They, they still want to make a wise buying decision, Absolutely. even if it's not an initial investment. Yeah, but what you should talk about is um, you should really check out the situation. I'm happy to have a chat to you because you're on the program. I'm happy to assess the situation and see what would be the best for them. You know, because what we need to do, find out is what price range would be ideal for them and find out what tax bracket they're in and see what's better for them, own occupier or investment property. Because if you saw my um, interview on Channel 9, you know, rent vesting is actually... Well, that's what he's thinking of doing. He's going to... Do rent vesting, but we can talk offline. Sorry, I'll yeah, we'll talk offline. But yeah. I, I really personally think rent vesting is the way to go, because this, this is the deal. Especially when you're young, you want to live somewhere cool where you can have a good time, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's not necessarily the best place to invest. In. Best. Yeah. So what's a good idea is, and this I did this for years, by the way, right? So what I did is I rented on the beach in Tennyson because the beach was at one o'clock in the morning on the clock so who wants to, i mean why would you invest at one o'clock so what i did is i rented for five years until it went back to seven o'clock and then bought right but i would have rented longer if it was still not there yet so what i really do is i want to buy at seven o'clock 
And if we don't want to live not at seven, then I'll rent there until it becomes seven or until I can go to another seven o'clock market. And that worked really well for me because, you know, Tennyson, when it was at one o'clock, nothing happened. The properties went down. I bought in and then suddenly they went up again. So Absolutely. the was just, I was very fortunate at the time. It was crazy. And look, if I could just mention as well, like I've got a couple of younger guys who are FIFOs in uh, Perth and they wanted to buy in their own hometown, but it's possibly not the right place to buy. It's the worst at the moment. It's the worst. So they've decided to, you know, obviously, you know, join our program of buying in Queensland. Um, and for them, the return on their investment already is just amazing. I mean, this one guy is only like 27, 28. He's on, he's on about $120 positive per week. Now, you know, if we waited to find something in Adelaide, he might have not had that opportunity. And if he decides to finish FIFO, because that's his big goal, he doesn't want to stay in FIFO forever, he wants to get a few properties, he can live anywhere he wants in the world, in, in Australia, you know what I mean? But he's got these properties churning in the background um, and he hasn't missed out on any opportunities because he's just grabbed this great property and that's going to be able to leverage him later on down the track. Thank you, everyone. I really appreciate everyone. Cheers, guys. All right. Take care, guys. Bye. See you later. Have a great night.